So I want to talk to you today about the passage that is indicated on the screen, but there's a typo at the bottom of the screen. We're actually going to be in Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 7. We're not starting at verse 1. And as always, there is a Bible app event for this. You can follow along that way. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, just click the little menu and uh, select an event near you, and it should load right up with these scripture passages and some of the notes that are on the PowerPoint. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to begin at verse 7 in a couple minutes. So uh, masks, how many of you here just love wearing a mask? Let me see your hands. You love wearing a mask, like you're going to keep wearing the mask after this is all over. How many, yeah? Okay, so there's a couple crazies, that's good, right? Yeah, yeah I'm just going to be real honest, I wear the mask, but I hate the mask, right? I wear the mask, but I hate the mask, and it always amuses me when there's someone who says, I just hate wearing these masks, like you think the rest of us enjoy it, <laughs> right? None of us enjoy wearing the mask. There are a lot of reasons that I don't like the mask. One of the reasons is those loops kind of hurt my ears. But even worse than that, those loops kind of pull on my ears. And when they pull on my ears, it makes them stick out. And I'm a little self-conscious about that, (laughs) right? Another reason is it gets kind of moist when you're singing. Have you noticed that? Even when you're talking. I don't like that. That doesn't feel too good to me, right? Um, But here's, listen, this is the thing that bothers me the most about the mask. And maybe you're going to say, yeah, I never thought of that. Or maybe you're like, yep, I know that. When I'm wearing the mask, it covers my smile. And it's not that I think I have like a Brill Cream, oh, that's hair gel. It's not that I feel like I have a Pepsodent smile, <laughs> you know, a, a Crest or a Colgate smile. It's, it's not that at all, but I didn't realize until I started wearing a mask how much I rely on my nonverbal communication in the form of a smile. And I really do re- rely on it a lot. I mean, I can't look at Brandon and say, you're ugly and your mother dresses you funny. And smile if I'm wearing a mask. When I do that, Brandon's like, I'm going to beat you up, you know, because he doesn't see the smile and know that I'm kidding. I think your mother dresses you very well, Brandon, and you look nice, yeah. <laughs> it's your wife that does that, right? Yeah, yeah. I was talking to someone else about that, how it's hard because people can't see your smile and they can't tell if you're joking, they can't tell if you're, if you're comfortable with them or whatever, and they said, smile with your eyes. Yeah, right, I don't, I don't think I can do that. Not as well as I can with my mouth. And if people can't, see your smile, then it's really hard to read them. And it's really hard for them to read you, I should say. And in that regard, it could be said that a mask hides one of the most important things about you, not just your smile. It kind of hides your heart. I was thinking about this in terms of the passage we're about to read, Matthew chapter 7. Because in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is talking about the heart of the Father, He's talking about the smile of the Father. He's talking about the goodness of the Father. And he says some things that if you're entirely honest, there have been times in your life, and maybe even right now, the things that I'm about to read that Jesus says, you're kind of questioning them. And you're kind of wondering, I'm not sure that the Father is that good. I'm not sure that I can really believe in the goodness of, of the Father. And I think that one of the reasons we say that sort of thing is because something is masking not just the smile of the Father, but the heart of the Father. I'd like you to follow along as I read, starting at Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. I'll read through 12. Follow along silently as I read. Ask, Jesus says in this Sermon on the Mount. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. 
And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, <laughs> though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Now let's just get honest for a minute here. Do you ever read those words or hear them read and think to yourself, I'm not, not so sure that's accurate. Ask, seek, knock. I'm going to be honest with you. Pastor Steve, I just haven't had the success rate that Jesus seems to indicate I should have with those particular words. I will tell you that more than once, literally more than once, I have been talking to someone about the goodness of God and heard them reply with words like these. Buddy, I don't mean to show you any disrespect, but I want to say that if I treated my cattle the way God has treated me, I would go to jail for animal abuse, cruelty to animals. When I hear that statement, when I was younger, I'd have been like, oh, how can you say that? But you know, when you live a little while, you see a lot of pain. You begin to recognize that statement isn't coming necessarily from a rebellious heart, but it is coming from a heart that has been deeply injured and is in great pain. And it comes from a perspective that for one reason or another is unable to see the goodness of God. All of us struggle at times to see God's goodness. As though God's goodness was something down the road and the fog has set in. And we want to look ahead. But the fog is keeping us from seeing it. Or maybe God's goodness is, is shielded from us like a veil might be shielded so that you can't see the face of the person who's wearing that. In fact, I would say to you that in a fallen world, a fallen world hides God's goodness at every corner. The world acts like a fog. It acts like a, like a veil. It acts like a, a mask. Now, when I say a fallen world, I kind of take for granted that everyone knows what I mean by that, but that's not necessarily the case. Fallen world, when we say those words, what we're saying is Adam and Eve being placed in a paradise in, in God's good graces in the Garden of Eden, ate of the forbidden fruit and thereby fell from grace. And they and all of creation with them was changed seemingly forever by that act. They fell. The world fell. And you and I live in a fallen world. And you can see that around you. And what it does is it kind of makes a mask on the face of God that makes it difficult from a fallen world perspective to actually see his goodness. One of the elements in that mask might be the injustice that we see in the world. People in war-torn countries who don't even understand what the political issue is about. Children in our own communities suffering great abuses. And you're like, that's just wrong. Criminals getting away with it. 
We struggle with those kinds of injustices. People in the Bible struggled with those kinds of injustices. The gentleman who wrote Psalm 73 confessed that struggle. He looked at the wicked. And in Psalm 73, verse 4, he says, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. And then he says, surely in vain, in other words, for no good reason in the world, I've kept my heart pure and I have washed my hands in innocence. Yet, all day long I've been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. How is that fair? How is that fair is what he's crying out. And it's not fair. And if we're not careful, this world's injustice can cover over the goodness of God and act like a thick fog or a heavy veil, obscuring our awareness of it. It's not just injustice, though. For some, this fallen world hides God's goodness by the futility that life presents. I mean, occasionally, probably almost all of us wonder if it's worth it. Man, I work so hard and I do so much and I just can't get ahead. I owe my soul to the company store. I won't sing again. (laughs) Right? It's not working out the way we had hoped that it would work. And Solomon, who is said to have written the book of Ecclesiastes, the wisest man who ever lives, he dealt with that issue of the futility of life with brutal honesty. I was thinking of some verses to pull from Ecclesiastes. It's all over the place in Ecclesiastes. But I want to just show you Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. Solomon says this. He says, I hated all the things that I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. I got to tell you, when you look at Solomon's kingly line, (laughs) he was right to be worried about that. Verse 19 again, and who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish, and yet they'll have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. And probably everyone feels that way from time to time. I mean, who hasn't questioned the toil they do, the nine to five job they have, or the shift work they engage in? And that kind of futility, it can, it can drive good people to a bad place, to a place where no one wants to end up. And it's because that futility creates a mask that covers over the face of the goodness of God. And we don't see it. A more common mask is made up of the hardship in life. Things like broken hearts and loneliness and struggling with relationships and wayward children and financial problems and dealing with uncertainty and, and finan- facing illness and even even death, those hardships in life, you know the list, right? And again, that can cloud your vision of God. It can create a fog through which you have trouble seeing the goodness of your Father in heaven. And it can actually present you with an unbiblical, unhealthy perspective of God. And God knows this. In fact, it's one of the reasons Jesus came. You know, the Gospel of John, one of the most wonderful books in the Bible. It begins with the sentence, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's talking about Jesus. And a dozen or so sentences down the road, in verse 14, he says this about Jesus. He says, 
the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, we have seen his glory. Catch that word. His glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. We've seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father. And what John is, what John is saying to us is that when you encounter Jesus, you see the face of God. When you see Jesus, you're looking behind the mask. And when you hear Jesus, he talks to you about that which is otherwise veiled from your eyes because you live in this fallen world. When you encounter God, Christ rather, when you encounter Christ, you encounter God. In fact, he says later in John, he says, whoever's seen me has seen the Father. And you get to look behind the mask. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, God reminds us about the time in the Old Testament, the time before Christ was born in Bethlehem, when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Moses had gone up on the mountain. Up there, he had received from God these tablets, these stones upon which the Word of God, the, the, the law of God, the Ten Commandments was, was written. When he came back down, his face shone with a brilliance with such a brilliance that the people couldn't look at it. I can't imagine what that must have looked like to, to see someone whose face glows with that kind of intensity. It almost sounds like something on a superhero cartoon or, or, or something. You know, like, wow, your face is glowing that brightly. It was the glory of God that shone from his face. It was too bright for them to bear. Second Corinthians 3.18 is a verse that scholars deal with a lot along these lines. Because it kind of refers back to Moses earlier in the chapter. And then in verse 18, it says, Of us, we all, who with unveiled faces, okay? And by the way, when Moses was there with his shining face, he wore a veil over it so that he wouldn't hurt the people who were looking on. And now it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, And now we all, who with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, I want to tell you that scholars kind of see this passage in two ways. The NIV translators here that we've just read see it as we who are redeemed in Christ, we observe the glory of God, that we have been transformed in such a way that we're now capable of contemplating the glory of God without a veil, unveiled. We can behold the glory of God in Christ because we are in Christ. Others note this passage could kind of mean the opposite. That rather than saying we can contemplate God's glory, it's saying we can reflect God's glory like Moses did. Because that glowing face that Moses had was a reflection of the God he had just talked to face to face. And, and many say, well, what this means is that we are capable of reflecting God's glory as did Moses. And various translations acknowledge that. The NIV, the ESV acknowledge it could go either way in their footnotes. That we in Christ show the glory of God to those around us who are watching us just as Moses showed the glory of God to his people. Which is it? I think it's both. I believe that when you encounter the grace of God in Christ Jesus, 
you behold the glory of God, that you see beyond the mask. I'm not saying you're able to stand. I'm not saying I'm able to stand in the Shekinah glory of God because I don't think that's what it's saying. Here's what I'm saying. I'm just saying this, that we all, with unveiled faces, can contemplate God's glory because that's what the passage says. And I'm saying, I believe, that as a citizen of the kingdom, we are transformed into one who also reflects, who shows the glory of God, probably in ways we don't realize. But a veil, a fog, a mask, can keep us from seeing that. Jesus shows us in his passage what's behind the mask. In this passage, he talks about this concept of who the Father is. And he says, behind the mask, you will discover a Father who provides graciously. It's in verse 7. Read it again. Ask and it will be given to you. That's gracious provision. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. When you come to God, he will respond to you. And God has said this much, much earlier than this. Back in the book of Jeremiah, for example, he says, you'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. The face behind the mask says, ask, and you'll receive. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it will be opened, and you'll be welcomed. I'm just wondering, I want to take a survey. How many of you know who th- this name? Haddon Robinson. Put up your hand. Okay, yeah, maybe a half a dozen of us. Haddon Robinson might be the best expositor of God's word of the past century. He is one of the best preachers you could imagine. He is kind of a preacher's preacher. I love Haddon Robinson, kind of like I love my dad. He's just a great speaker. He spoke of God's gracious provision with some words that I found on Facebook, and I actually made a graphic image about it so that I could put it on my Facebook page, on maybe on our church's page. Let me read this to you. And listen to how he sees God. Robinson says this, With him... The calf is always the fatted calf. The robe is always the best robe. The joy is unspeakable and the peace passes understanding. There is no grudging in God's goodness. He does not measure his goodness by drops like a druggist fulfilling a prescription. It comes to us in floods. If only we recognize, haha, listen, He's talking about the mask. He's saying it's hard for us to see it. If only we recognize the lavish abundance of his gifts, what a difference it would make in our lives if every meal were taken as a gift from his hand, it would be almost a sacrament. What do you find when you look behind the mask? The Father who provides graciously. And in the kingdom, you see the Father who does not discriminate. He gives without preference, without favoritism, without discrimination. I say that because of verse 8. For everyone who asks, everyone who asks receives. Do you remember when a fireman in a fireman parade would throw candy to kids? Do you remember that? Do you remember when they said, can't do that anymore. Somebody's going to get hurt. I'm not allowed to do that anymore. I hadn't been to a fire parade in a decade, and I was ticked off about that, you know? <laughs> Throw the kids the candy! What's wrong with you? You know, that's kind of just the way I thought. I don't really care about it now. It kind of cooled off. We always find stupid causes, don't we? Anyway, 
Do you remember when they would do that? I can remember watching kids going down, you know, and it always seemed like there was that one kid who when he reached for this one, someone else got it. He reached for that one, another kid got it. He reached for this one, that girl took it. And he's like, and he comes back, he's crying. That would have been me when I was little, right? Right, yeah. (laughs) That kind of thing can happen in that setting. But verse eight tells me that everyone receives, not just the ones who can scramble fast enough. Everyone receives. And it is as though the fireman threw so much candy, there's no way the kids could get it all. God doesn't discriminate. He doesn't hold back. He provides without preference. In the kingdom, although you may feel like saying this, that's not fair, it is because you cannot look behind the mask. And if you could, then you would know that's not the right sentence. He gives without discrimination. He provides graciously. And what he provides is good. He provides goodness. So I don't know if you remember the the evil genie jokes. Do you remember the evil genie jokes? Like the Aladdin lamp, you rub the lamp and the genie comes out and you make your wish. There was a series of those there, the evil genie jokes. It's like the guy who says to the genie, "Um, okay, I want to be transformed into something so that every woman in the world would want me. You're a chocolate bar. <laughs> That's the evil genie, right? There's a couple more. There's the guy who, he's 40 years old. He and his wife are standing there, and he says, I would like my wife to be half my age. You're 80 years old, buddy. <laughs> that wasn't what he was looking for, right? Or there's the one, the guy that has the largest deer ranch in all the world. It's because he wished for a million bucks and he got a million bucks. Not those, but yeah, right? Lame jokes, right? But I have a point, and here's my point. The father is never like that. He is never like that. And Jesus says so right in verse 9. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, even though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Listen, you know and I know that there are evil earthly fathers. And if you had one of those, my heart goes out to you. If your father let you down, if he was not good to you, if he was bad to you, I want to say that can create in your mind a sort of a veil a sort of a fog, a kind of a mask that will keep you from seeing that your Father in heaven provides only what is good. He provides what is good. And you can trust him to do that. That is a way of the kingdom. You see, as this passage moves on, you see that Jesus is saying that kingdom people should unveil the mask that... Uh, should remove the mask and unveil the face of God. We, the people of the kingdom, are supposed to show the glory of God. I think that's Jesus' point in verse 12. I mean, I'm looking at the NIV and it says, so in everything. And that word so is right there in the Greek. It says, so in, in response to what I just told you, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. That's the golden rule, right? It's in every major religion in one form or another. Even though those who make no religious claim, even atheists still like the golden rule. 
And even if a person doesn't live by the golden rule, they at least admonish others to do so, right? Yeah, because frankly, the golden rule is pretty handy. I mean, the golden rule is kind of a good idea. It is socially beneficial. If everyone would just treat people the way they wanted to be treated, then we could all get along well together. It is common sense. Why would you treat him that way? You would not want to be treated that way. You would want to be treated this way, so treat him that way. And it's very practical. It's pragmatic. But in Jesus' eyes, the golden rule isn't something that he said just to help people to get along. Did you hear that sentence? Jesus didn't give the golden rule just to help people to get along. In Jesus' eyes, the golden rule reveals the glory of God. Because when we follow it, we embody the law and the prophets. And when we follow it, we embody the person of Christ. And we show the face of God to a world that desperately needs to see the glory of God. You and I, his followers, get to clear the fog. You and I, the citizens of the kingdom, get to pull down the veil. You and I, the people of God, get to remove the mask. And when we do that, the glory of God shines in a way that the people of the world can't help but take note. And neither can you. There's kind of a double benefit. Because the people of God see God's glory. And we see God's glory. Listen to me. As a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, And as a loyal subject of the king, the mask that I want to remove is the one that blinds the world to the goodness of our Father in heaven. That's the mask that I want to remove. That's the veil that Christ lifted. It is a veil that we lift as we we proclaim, as we live, even the golden rule. Kingdom people lift the veil. They wipe away the fog. They shine the light. Jesus has been saying this right along through this Sermon on the Mount. He is just, he's a better preacher than Haddon Robinson, if you can believe that. Jesus is a master as he weaves these words together. And here we are in chapter 7, and he's already laid the groundwork for the golden rule way back in chapter 5 when he said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and see the glory of your Father in heaven and give him glory because of it. So in the kingdom, We blow away the heavy fog of bitterness with the refreshing breeze of forgiveness. And the face of God is revealed. And we replace the mask of anger with a mask of peace. And the peace of God is shown. And we pull aside this veil of tears, exposing a countenance of healing. And the person of Christ is manifested. We show God's goodness so the world may see it. It sums up the law and the prophets. It exposes the face of God. It is the way of the kingdom. And we show God's goodness so that we can see it. Because when you do that, when you treat others the way you wish that they would treat you, you're seeing the person of Christ. You're seeing the face of God. You're You're witnessing the glory of God in you when you behave that way. 
And in the face of God, injustice is seen for what it is. It's not that we don't see injustice, but we see it in perspective. And when we look at the face of God, we don't struggle to find meaning. It's not that, it's not that we see the problem. Don't, I'm sorry, it's not that we don't see the problems of this world. We see them, but we find meaning beyond them. And even in our hardship, we're able to look beyond the veil of tears. Those words, ask, seek, find, knock. (laughs) Are they hard for you to believe? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. That's hard to believe. If they are, it's because they're veiled by this world, a world that would hide them in fog and conceal God's goodness behind a mask. I want you to see the goodness of God by living Christ's words in verse 12. By choosing in everything to do to others what you would have them do to you. It's not that that just makes society run well. It does. It's not that that just makes your kids not fight with each other. If they're doing that, they won't be fighting with each other. It's not that just we all get along better in the workplace if we follow the golden rule. That's true. But the reason Jesus wants you to do it is because there is a world that doesn't know of the goodness of the Father. And you and I, as citizens of the kingdom, have the privilege of showing them that. And we show them that when we do this. I want to pray that we could do so. So if you're comfortable doing so as we pray, would you please stand? And because we're going to sing in a moment, you might want to access your mask. (laughs) I want to pray that you would be able to, first for yourself, see the goodness of God. And then second, (laughs) that you would be able to show that to people around you. Let me pray to that end. Father, we do want to take down the mask to expose the hidden goodness of the Father, your hidden goodness, to a world that desperately needs us, that desperately needs that. So show us how to do that. And may we begin by following this counsel of Christ in everything we do to others, that we would do that which we would wish they would do to us. Because we know this sums up the law and the prophets. We know this shows them the person of Christ. We know this reveals to them the hidden goodness of the Father. Help us to make that happen. In Christ's name, amen.